In Jesus' name we pray. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Are you glad to be here this afternoon? Amen. Are you glad? Rajiv, can I have this podium? I wish every Friday was a good Friday. I, I really wish that every Friday was a good Friday. Um, we have one of our brothers who's come back after so many years. Brother Jerome, please stand for a minute, please. Please. Please give him a welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Jerome is, was one of the choir members here, an excellent drummer. Right. And I was talking to him just now before service could start, and he says that his, his son has become an excellent drummer and one of the leading drummers in India. We thank God for that. We thank God for that. Today, I want to talk about the cross. That's the message that we're going to talk about, is the cross. But before we could talk about the cross, we'll sing a song. There's a very old song. And I thought, if you know it, sing it. If you don't know it, hum it. And if you don't know how to hum, rejoice with us. Amen? Amen. The, the name of the song is, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes 
Father, we pray right now, Lord God, that you will minister to your children right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that you will touch us, that you will let your word go forth through everyone who is in this place, Master. Daddy, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will take control of the situation right now in this auditorium. I pray that you will reveal your word. Reveal your word, Lord God, to your children. And Father, we pray that there will be no disturbance of any sort, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will take control of this situation. This is our heart cry, Daddy, that you will do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, uh, my wife was very sick, and I want to thank each and every member of this church, very especially for your prayers. I want to thank each and every one who stood in the gap, prayed, the ones who called, and also for the ones who prepared a meal and brought it home. We had so much food, there's still food remaining. We want to thank you. May God richly bless every one of you for whatever you have done in Jesus' name. Looking at the cross, yes, my sister. When you look at the cross, what comes to your mind? Next slide, sister. Considering Jesus, the most famous person that walked on the face of the earth, yet we know so little about him. We might know about the next restaurant, what's in the menu. We know what is the special of the day of the menu. If you ask a brother or sister, where is the best food? They will tell you which restaurant to go to. But if you ask them about the cross, we know so little about it. All we know is Good Friday comes once in a year. We crowd in the church. We sit, we hear the message. We go back and Good Friday is good, gone forever. That has no meaning. The curtain opens for a very brief moment in history. On the birth of Jesus and in his childhood... And after that, the curtain closes and we don't know anything. For 30 years, the curtain is closed. And there's nothing that God has revealed to man for those 30 years. But we assume that Jesus joined his earthly father into the ministry of carpentry, making chairs, woods, cables, and everything. And for 30 years, Jesus is unknown. And Jesus is unnoticed. 30 years, nobody knew who he was. And suddenly, after 30 years, he springs back to light and he comes. His career now changes. From woodcutter, he becomes wonder worker. All of a sudden, after 30 years, woodcutter to wonder worker. It's extraordinary to know so much about his, his death, but we know so little about his life. 30 years we have no knowledge, and for those three years we have so much information. Jesus did not die from any natural causes. Sickness did not take Jesus. Old age did not take Jesus. Dis disease did not take his life. And as some believe that Judas took his place and that he did not die, he has gone straight away without death. That is all not true. Jesus was murdered. 
Jesus was assassinated. In other words, you could put, he was exterminated as a dangerous criminal. There were so many forms of putting people to death during that time. There were so many forms. But for Jesus, it was reserved the most painful death, the most humiliating death, the most lingering death that man can ever have was preserved and reserved for Jesus. That's the life. Crucifixion did not kill anybody easily. Crucifixion took minimum two days and maximum seven days to kill a person on the cross. Do you know that everyone that hung on the cross was stripped naked? Do you know that? And every time you see a picture, you see a loincloth around. That is not true. Our Savior was naked on the cross for you and for me. Naked. That's the death he died. My brothers and sisters, when he was nailed, he was not nailed on his, ankle, on his feet, he was nailed in his ankles. He was not nailed in his palm, but he was nailed at his wrist. Because if you nail the person on his, wrist, on his palm, the body's weight will tear the person down and he will fall. But he was nailed at his wrist. It was too painful. They hung there naked, humiliated, mocked and abused. I want to explain how crucifixion kills a person before I could get on. How does crucifixion kill a person? Crucifixion kills by suffocation. A person gets suffocated. They use the wrist and the feet and when a person was hanging on the cross, they hung in such a way that when the weight of the legs were not able to take it anymore, they would let go of the legs and they would hang on their hands. And when they did that, they were not able to breathe, that they get suffocated. And when they found that there was strength back in their legs, they would go back and they would rest on their ankle again. And that's what it took time for a person to die. It took time. Finally, when they found that the person was not dying quickly, they would use to break their legs to quicken death. And this, a victim could take minimum two to seven days. That's what crucifixion is about. Brethren, the cross is the central theme of the Bible. The cross is the central theme. At the cross, man did his worst, but God did his best. Man did his worst to Jesus, but God demonstrated his best at that time. The cross is why Jesus came into the world. The cross is why Jesus came into the world. If you look quickly to Matthew chapter 5 verses 17, Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 and Matthew chapter 20 verses 28, these two scriptures. The Bible says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Amen. I came to fulfill it. That's the reason. The cross is why Jesus came. And Matthew 20 verse 28, the Bible says, 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He came to give His life. The second point, the cross is for everyone. The cross is not just for you and me to hold, put it on our neck and walk about to show we are Christians. The cross is for everyone. 1 John chapter 2 verses 2. The Bible says that He is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for us, but also for the sins of the whole world. Romans 10.13, brother. Romans 10.13, the Bible says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what shall be done? They shall be saved. Everyone. So we see that the cross is for everyone. Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not of some. Not only of Pentecostal. Not only of Catholic. Not only of Lutheran. But of all. I want to share an aerial view now of the cross. I want us to have an aerial view of the cross. Number one. Brother Leslie was sharing partly of this in his message last time. I want to go a little bit and add to that. I want to see the different thoughts and the feelings that moved in the heart of those people who stood stood beholding the cross of Calvary. Number one, the Roman soldiers. We could see the cruel heartlessness of the soldiers waiting to see how they can get the spoil of the dead man. Back in India, I'm sorry to say it, If a person dies, the first thing the policeman comes and sees what he can take from your pocket. If you have a watch, when the family comes, there's no watch in the person's hand. No wallet. Who takes it first? The policeman himself takes it. The same way these Roman soldiers were waiting to divide the throw the dice so they can have a, a part of the spoil. Next, we could see the rulers and the chief priests. You can imagine the cruel look on the rulers and the chief priests. Thinking at last, we got you, man. You got away for three years. Every time we tried to get you, you you sneaked away. We got you. There you are. And they were rejoicing that they have nailed him to the cross now. I want you to look at the agony of the women, the loving women who came to the cross. Knowing that he did so much for them. And yet they they were so helpless to do anything for him. He was hanging helpless there. The agony of the women. I want you to look at the grief of the mother who stood at the cross there, waiting and knowing that her son is dying, and remembering the words 30 years ago of what Simeon said, a sword shall pierce your heart. And she was there at the cross. I want you to look a little further down, in a very far away place, Peter standing there and looking at his master, Peter wondering, how I wish I had one more chance to take back the words that I spoke to him. So fast I was quick to speak to him and yet I denied him. And Peter knowing, I have no other chance again because I'm going to see him no more. He's gone. How I wish I had one more chance to make up for my mistakes. And last person on the cross is the centurion. The centurion who looked at the cross And seen the writing there, said, truly, this man 
is the Son of God. And when you look at the cross, you see all these people beholding Jesus. And we sometimes still look at the cross. And what are we beholding? The beauty of a risen Savior. As we gaze upon the cross, which was old and still new, it seems that the cross has a greater vision. And every time we read the scripture, God opens the scripture and enlightens us to show us how much deep we go into it. Today I'm going to show you four aspects of the cross. Four aspects of the cross. Number one, the cause of the cross. Number one, the cross of the cross. The first one is the predicament of man. The predicament of a man is the situation that man was. And the man was in such a situation that all were sinned. Romans chapter 3 verses 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and have fallen short. All. Number 2, Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says again, Therefore has just sin entered the world through one man, death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all have sinned. So we see the situation that man was. Number two, in the cause of the cross, we see the penalty of sin. There was a penalty of it. And the penalty was in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. We see that death was sentenced to all. Death was sentenced to everybody. In Galatians 6, verse 7 to 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit's will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Amen. Amen. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, he says, when you eat of this fruit, you shall die. So we see that the cause of the cross is the penalty. The third point is the providence of, of God. God provided Jesus. To set man free. Even before sin was committed. Even before man was created. God prepared Jesus. Acts chapter 2 verses 2, 22 to 23 my brother. The Bible says in Acts. Men of yes, Israel. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you. By miracles, wonders and signs. Which God gave through him. In your midst. As you yourself also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. By purpose and foreknowledge of God, even before sin was made. Continue, my brother. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. In Luke chapter 22, 22, the Bible says, For I, the Son of Man, must die since it's part of God's plan. So we've seen the cause of the cross. Now we look at the cruelty of the cross. What was the cruelty of the cross? And we are going to look at seven cruelties that I've seen. And there are many. As you see the scripture, you will be able to know. Number one, Jesus was bound. Number one, John chapter 18 verse 12. The Bible says, John chapter 18 verse 12. That then the yes. detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. They arrested him and bound him. You know why? 
Jesus is bound so that our chains will be broken. Amen. Every chain that the enemy has put on you because of the cross, today those chains will be broken in Jesus' name. As our brother prayed, every death situation will come back to life. Every chained person will be set free in Jesus' name. Number two, Jesus was stripped. In Matthew chapter 27, 28. 27, 28. They say that they stripped him and put, him, put on him scarlet robe. My brothers and sisters, Jesus was stripped so that he could robe us with righteousness. Amen? Whatever your master went through, there was an opposite reaction for you and me. Amen? The third point, Jesus was punched and he was whipped. And it's taken from John chapter 19 verse 3. John chapter 19 verse 3 says, Then they said, Hail King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. You know something? You know how they struck our Lord? They blindfolded him. And every time that a soldier walked towards him, they fisted him in his face. If we get one fist on our face, immediately our nose will bleed. But he was beaten, he was stripped, and he was slapped just for you and me. Amen? Mark chapter 15, verse 15. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. My brothers and sisters, Jesus took the whipping so that by his stripes we are healed. Every whip that Jesus took on his back so that you can have healing in his name. Amen. The fourth point is Jesus, they spat on him. They spat on him. Matthew 27 verse 30. The Bible says in Matthew 27 verse 30. Then they spat on him and took the reed. And struck him on the head. You see again. Not enough of beating. But still they came up to him. They spat at him. And not only spitting. Even beat him again and fisted him. He took it all just for you and for me. The fifth point. The cruelty of the cross is Jesus was rejected. Jesus was rejected. Luke chapter 9 verse 22. The Bible says. That saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Amen. And in John chapter 1 verse 11, the Bible says, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. My brothers and sisters, Jesus was rejected so that we, you and I can be accepted by our Father. He took rejection upon himself so that today we can come boldly and stand. We can enter the Holy of Holies anytime. We don't have to worship. We are actually outer court worshippers. Do you know that? And even outer court also is not prepared for us. There is no court for us. Do you know why? Truly, if we ask ourselves, do we love the Lord? Do we love the Lord? And I want you to answer that question to yourself. Don't raise your hands. Do you really love him? Ask yourself that question. The sixth point is, Jesus was sentenced. The great judge is now being judged by man. The greatest judge. Luke chapter 23 verse 24. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be 
as they requested. They requested for his death. Many people say, the Jews killed Jesus. But I have not bad news, but good news. Even we killed Jesus. The Gentiles also killed him. Pilate had equal chance. But he wanted to please them. And in order to please them, he got him flogged and he allowed them to crucify him. Jesus was sentenced so that we, you, you and I could be free. Amen? We are free because he was sentenced. The seventh point is, Jesus was slain. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins. Amen. According, for sins? according to the scriptures. I want you to just say it in one accord. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you, Lord. Jesus was slain so that you and I can be alive today. If he didn't die on the cross, today we don't know where we will be. We've seen the cause of the cross. We've seen the cruelty of the cross. Now we are going to see the cries of the cross. I'm going to show you seven cries from the cross. Number one, you must understand the, this part of the section we see that it's divided into two. From 9 to 12, we see one section. Jesus makes three prayers or three cries for the first three hours. And then we see from, the, from 12 to 3 there is another three different type of cries. And the first three was for other people. The first three cries that he made. If you see, the first cry was taken from Luke chapter 23, verse 34. A cry forgiveness. Then a Je forgiving cry. Yes, my brother. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Number one, Jesus was looking at these Romans soldiers and he was thinking and he was saying father don't hold it against them they do not know what they are doing to me they do not know what they are doing to me he had pity on the men who were nailing him how often do we feel sorry for the people who are hurting us do we pray for them or we, we, we pray God punish them I will not use the gender I heard a person once say do you remember lately there was a boy, there was something happened to a young kid. And I heard a believer person say, God, let your wrath fall upon them. And I was thinking, just like the two disciples, Lord, shall we call fire to fall upon them? How often, when someone does us wrong, we immediately say, Lord, let your wrath fall on them. Let them be consumed. If there were lions, we say, let the lion also eat them up. Because we are so zealous. But you see what our master was praying there. Father, Forgive them. They do not know what they are doing to me. The second cry, a favoring cry. The second cry was a favoring cry and he was looking at the thieves. Yes, my brother. From Luke chapter 23, verses 40 to 43. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justify, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord. One minute, brother. Here is a thief. Have you ever thought of it? How did this thief know about Jesus? 
I'm sure there were maybe many ways. Maybe the thief would have been among the 5,000 people that were being fed. Or maybe the thief would have been in prison and somebody would have gone and told him, there is this prophet who is walking about doing miracles. And this thief would have heard about Jesus. And yet, we find this thief saying that. Yes, my brother. Then he said to Jesus, Lord. He doesn't call him just Jesus. He says, Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. My brothers and sisters, I want you to say that today. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me. That should be our cry. Many of us think we are so righteous. The moment we go to heaven, we will fall on God's lap. We do, we do not work our salvation with fear and trembling. There is no fear and trembling of our salvation. We think we are so righteous. We think we are so godly. We should say, Lord, remember me today that I will not sin and fall against you. I will not sin and do anything that is wrong, Lord God. Both the thieves had a chance. Both of them had a chance. One chose to reject. One chose to accept. How many of us in the church, over and over again, we keep hearing the same gospel and we are doing the same thing. There is no change. Like our brother Lakin was saying, if it's 2009 you gave so much money, 2013, even 2029, the same amount will be given. And yet we say, Lord, give me increment. What was the balance money? Don't worry about that, Lord, that's my business. My brothers and sisters, two of them had a choice. One made a choice to say, Lord, remember me. A third cry from the cross is a family cry he made. And he's seen his mother from John chapter 19 verse 26. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. Can you imagine this? Even at the point of death, he is remembering. He is remembering. I am sure if we were nailed to the cross today, first thing we will say, where is, where is John? I can't find John. Oh, John is there. Where is Peter? See, the fellow deceived me. He betrayed me. Very good. Judas is dead. Thank God. We will make all those cries. Look at the cries that was coming from the cross. If today you and I are crucified, there's a new law passed, what will come out from our mouth? Go check your bank balance quickly before I go. If you want, I'll come down the cross, sign the checkbook and go back again on the cross. Get everything, I made sure. But Jesus made sure that his mother was taken care of. He says, John, behold your mother. John knew the agony that was in the heart of a mother. Immediately he took Mary away from that scene. He didn't want the mother to see the agony of what her son was going through. He moved her away immediately. That was the concern of Jesus while even on the cross. We've seen three parts, three cries. Now the second part we are going to see, the other three cries, which took place from later on, from 12 noon to 3. And here we see a different situation. Everything Jesus said here now was about himself. The first three was about others. And the next four words that he said was about himself. Number one, a fervent cry. Jesus made a fervent cry. And we find that in John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, he knew that all things were accomplished, 
that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Everything that Jesus was doing on the cross was fulfilling the whole covenant. If you see, he was quoting Psalm 69, verse 29, 21. Psalm 69, verse 21 says, They gave me gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. He was quoting scripture even at the point of death. Does scripture come to us when we are dying? What do we start saying when we are dying? And Jesus was quoting scripture even now. The second cry was a cry forsaking cry. A cry of loneliness. Matthew chapter 27 verse 46. Jesus cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, knowing that his father was not there for that short moment, he knew now daddy was not there. It happened in all eternity, they were never separated. In all eternity, no separation. But now for a moment he felt lonely. And as, he, as any son would do, when, we are for, when a small child is lonely, first thing the child will call mama. First thing the child will call mama, where are you? And that's what he did. Daddy, where are you? That was a cry from the cross. Jesus was now crying and he was quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Brother, read verses 11 to 18 now, my brother. You see that Psalm 22 was written 1,000 years before even Christ was born. 1,000 years before that. And at that time, crucifixion was not invented. Rome had borrowed the idea of crucifixion. They, they developed on it and they made it very painful from the Phoenicians. Jesus was only pointing to the scripture to confirm his messianic mission. Yes, my brother. 11 to 18. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths, like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. Amen. That's the situation our master was. When we are dying, we have all our loved ones around us. Everyone comforting us, one kissing us, one saying, I'm sorry, one saying, I'm going to miss you. And you'll find people crying. But here you see, he says, they are all watching at me. Like dogs, they are waiting around me. Some of them are happy that they got me. But they do not know I'm on this cross to fulfill your purpose alone. My death was for the people and for the world. And yet all of them, like wolves, are waiting just to see that I perish on the cross. The third cry was a finishing cry. It's taken from John chapter 19 verse 30. Jesus now knew that he is not going to suffer anymore. 
his suffering was coming to an end john 19 verse 30 when he had received the drink jesus said it is finished it is finished with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit and in 2 timothy chapter 4 verse 7 we see paul writing he's saying to timothy i have fought the good fight i have finished the race and i have kept the faith i want to ask a question this afternoon how many of us will be bold enough on our deathbed that we will be able to say i have fought the good fight i have run the race and i have kept the faith we might say i have run the race but we have not fought a good fight we might say i have finished but we have not kept our faith there will be somewhere that we might be lacking either we would not have kept our faith with christ but we have run the race we have completed the line but we have broken all the rules but jesus says but paul says i have fought the good fight i have run the race in the right way and now i know there's going to be a crown for me can we be bold enough to say that the last one lastly a farewell cry we see a farewell cry taking place in luke chapter 23 verses 46 jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i commit my spirit one minute brother now he says father because now jesus knows that the father has come now he says father because he never did anything on his own he did everything that he seen his father do yes my brother he says father into your hands i commit my spirit when he had said this he breathed his last jesus knew that intimacy is taking place again only for the short moment his father glanced away because he could not face the sin of the world on the sun but now he knew he says father i'm giving my spirit back to you he knew that his father was present there to receive his spirit second jesus entrusted himself back to the father by saying by quoting psalm number 31 verse 5 he was quoting scripture psalm 31 verse 5 here into your hands i commit my spirit redeem me o lord o god of truth jesus was saying a prayer you know jesus said this prayer because every jewish boy prayed before he went to sleep and i'm sure jesus would have remembered how his mother taught him this prayer this is the prayer of every jewish boy before he goes to bed into your hands i commit my spirit but jesus added one word to it the one word that jesus had is father into your hands every jewish boy who prayed he says into your hands see this we see psalm 31 verse 5 it says into your hands i commit my spirit but if you look at the scripture that we just read father into your hands because he knew he is going back to the father now and he had the word father my brothers and sisters can we be able to say that word at the end of our life father into your hands i am committing my spirit again or will we will we be having fear of death knowing whether we are going to go or we are not going to make it my brothers and sisters we seen the cause we seen the cruelty we seen the cries now let us look at the conquest of the cross we are going to look at the last part the fourth part the conquest of the cross at this place we are going to look at it from the supernatural way which the enemy never knew what will happen when jesus was put to death all that the enemy was to crucify to kill him 
But he never knew what will be the result of killing Jesus. What will be the result if this man is killed? Number one, victory over sin. Number one is victory over sin because of the death that Jesus had on the cross. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She will give birth to a son Mm. and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Amen. You shall give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from sin. The Holy Spirit will strengthen us brothers to overcome sin. You cannot fight sin by your own strength. Please, don't think you're macho man. Don't think you're James Bond to go fight against sin. You'll become Brooke Bond and not James Bond. When you want to fight against sin, you need the Holy Spirit to enable you. Amen? 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. To save sinners. My brothers and sisters, we've seen victory over sin. It's going to be, the second point is victory over sickness. The most important point that we have been praying all along. Every week after week, this church prays for victory over sin. This church prays for victory over sickness. And here it is that we could see the victory over sickness because of his death. Matthew chapter 8 verse 17. This was, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities. He took up our infirmities. All our infirmities was taken up. Yes, brother. And bore our diseases. All our diseases he has borne. Our sickness, my brothers and sisters, was nailed to the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Every transgression of yours, he was wounded for it. Number two. He was bruised for our iniquities. For all our iniquities, Jesus was bruised. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The chastisement that we are supposed to receive was upon him. And by his stripes, we we are are healed. Amen. By his wounds, we are healed. Amen. The third conquest of the cross is the victory over sorrow. Victory over sorrow. Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. One minute, brother. He has carried our sorrows. We might have, we might have bad situations. We might have sorrowful things. But that sorrow will not pull us down because he that is in me is greater than the one who has put that sorrow upon me. Amen? Yes, my brother. Yet we esteem them stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. My brothers and sisters, there are many of us here who are carrying our sorrows week after week. We go with our sorrow, we come with our sorrow, we leave the church with that sorrow. But Jesus says, I have borne it on the cross. I have borne your sorrow on the cross. No matter what the enemy will throw at you, I have taken it. My joy will overcome that. Amen? Fourth, victory over curse. I want to show you a very important point from Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. One minute, brother. 
I want to encourage you, those of you who think that there is some curse put upon you, no curse will have any dominion over your life in Jesus' name. Any curse that any voodoo, whatever be it, if it has been put on you, it has already been cancelled by the blood and by the death of Jesus. Amen? Yes, my brother. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Amen. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. My brothers and sisters, he took all our curses on the cross. You have all the authority to cancel any curse that has been put against you in Jesus' name. Any curse, you have the authority. Amen. The fifth one, victory over suffering, is taken from John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and to destroy, but I have come to give life. Jesus says, I have come to give you life. The sixth point is victory over death. Victory over death. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 12, my brother. Hebrews 2.12 says... 14, sorry. Hebrews 2.14 Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. The devil had power over death, but no more in Jesus' name. Brothers, we don't, brothers and sisters, we don't have to fear death anymore. That I used to fear death as a little kid. I used to fear, I never used to go for any funerals also. If I see a funeral, I'll be one mile away. I used to fear death. I used to be afraid to look at a dead person. But thank God for Jesus that fear is no more. Amen? We don't have to be a slave to fear. There are so many people living over fear of anything. They see the shadow immediately, they, they start praying. Only the shadow, they pray in tongues. We are, we are afraid of everything that is right around us. But the phone rings, they are afraid. Maybe bad news, I lost my job. We are afraid of so many things right around us. We don't have to be afraid anymore. Amen? Revelation 20 verse 6, brother. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first Resurrection. I want you to make this prayer today. God, give me grace that I will share in your first resurrection. You know why? Yes, my brother. The second death has no power over them. So far, when you take part in the first resurrection, the second, the second death will have no power over you. Amen? Yes, my brother. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. Amen! You and I shall reign with Him. I should have heard a big Amen for this. Bless you. The last, the last point. Victory over Satan. That's what his death has brought us. Which the enemy never knew. By his death, every child who confesses his name will have victory over the enemy. It's taken from 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Jesus came so that he could destroy the works of the devil. My brothers and sisters, the next slide, my sister. The cross is a picture of violence. If you look at the cross, you will see violence on it. But it's the key 
to peace. As much as you see violence on the cross, but there you see peace also. Number two, the picture of the cross is of suffering, but you also see the key is healing. As much as you see suffering there, but there comes healing from it in Jesus' name. Amen. The picture of the cross sees death, but the key is life. Amen. We see the contrast, violence, peace. We see suffering, healing. We see death, we see life. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross was not in vain, my brothers and sisters. He accomplished and paid the complete payment, not partial. Not I will come back after 10 years, after 1000 years and give you back the balance. No, our payment is paid, full, like Arabic people. Kalas, no more. No more tomorrow coming and saying, I need balance. He accomplished it completely. For all sin, for all time, he suffered how many times? Once. Don't nail him over the cross again and again, please. Every time we, 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 we willfully sin, we are nailing him over and over again. We don't have to do that. The purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was not to erase sin. I want you to listen carefully up to this. The purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was to not erase sin, but was to reconcile man, sinful man, to a merciful God. A merciful God was waiting. He died that death so that he can reconcile man back to God. Amen? Brothers and sisters, nobody can separate you. Nobody. Not the heavens, not the earth. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen? Not persecution, not danger, not accidents, not trials. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen? I call Brother Sudhi forward, please. We are going to lead in a prayer now, right now. And we are going to tell the Lord, see, we have heard a message this afternoon. Get me that mic, brother. We have heard a message. But our, let us not leave this room. Let us make a commitment that we, Lord, we want to give our life back to you. You didn't die in vain. Amen? He didn't die in vain. He died for a reason for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world, through one man, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience. One man's obedience, many will be made righteous. The cross is foolishness. The message of the cross is foolishness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
the Bible says that it is foolishness. Because there are those that are looking for mighty signs. But those who are seeking for mighty signs do not realize that the one who has died has already performed the greatest sign. The Bible says that in the book of Colossians, that all that was listed against us has been nailed to the cross. Therefore now is the time for reconciliation. Just read one more scripture before we close in prayer. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Let's just look at this, this portion of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5. The offended party over here is God and he was reconciling. The offense is sin. The offenders are sinners. The penalty is death. The doctrine of reconciliation. Are you ready for a reconciliation? Verse 16. From now on then we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Even if we had known Christ in a purely human way. Yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore if anyone is in Christ. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. In Christ. There was something that God was doing 2,000 years ago in Christ. God was reconciling the world unto himself, not counting our trespasses. He was not counting our trespasses. Would you want to recognize the Savior as your Lord and Master? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Would you look at the bleeding Savior? For he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. The divine exchange took place that the sinner was let free and the sinless one crucified. Would you want to recommit your life? Would you want to become a disciple today? Not just a convert, a disciple, one who is ready to take up his own cross, his own cross and follow the Lord. Would you identify 
yourself with Christ. If you do, if you do, would you be on your feet now? If you want to identify yourself with Christ, would you be on your feet and I would pray with you? It does not matter. It does not matter who sees or who does not see. It does not matter because eternity will be decided the moment the last breath is taken. And no one, no human being could help. Would you want to identify with the Savior? Father, we want to thank you for this, for this time of reconciliation. The message of the cross has come so clearly unto us. That in it, God was reconciling. God was reconciling a sinful man unto himself. He was clearing the way. He was tearing opening the veil that prevented man from coming into the most holy. God, we are grateful for the cross. We are indeed even thankful for the cross. Lord, and as we sang, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Father, may that word be true in our own lives. That we would begin to cherish the old rugged cross where the sinless one was slain for the guilty. God, we are thankful for those who want to reconcile themselves unto you today. God, as many hearts you have drawn unto you, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, this reconciliation would do them good in Jesus' name. They would begin, O oh Lord God, to live a life of holiness unto you in Jesus' name. Father, the book of Titus tells us that Jesus has reconciled us unto himself so that we may begin to live a holy and a pure life. God, that our life no longer belongs to us, it belongs to you, O God. Father, we are thankful for this message of the cross. We are thankful for the work of the cross. We are thankful that Jesus cried out, it is finished. For we know that forever and ever it is finished. God, every ordinance, every requirement of the devil, every requirement of the law, every requirement that legally made us guilty has been nailed to the cross in the name of Jesus. And because Jesus did not remain in the, on the cross, neither did he remain in the grave. Because he rose, we will rise. Father, we are thankful, O oh Lord, that in a, in a few hours from now, God, in a few hours from now, we will be celebrating the resurrection of the dead. And in him we have a picture that we shall rise. And when we rise, we shall reign. We shall reign with him in the name of Jesus. Therefore, we thank you for our reconciliation today. God, we are grateful for the reconciliation. Now, as many as have committed and recommitted their life into your hands, God, I pray. And I know that you are able to keep us from falling and to present us blameless before the Father with great joy. With great joy. 
where we shall dwell forever and ever in Jesus' name. We are thankful, O Lord God, for this work that you have done in our lives. We give you praise. We give you praise. Father, we look forward to the coming of Jesus. For there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, there is not a fearful expectation, but a joyful anticipation in the name of Jesus. For when he comes this time as a just judge, Lord, we will not be found guilty. None in this room will be found guilty in Jesus' name. We shall all make it to heaven in Jesus' name. Lord, none shall fall by the wayside in Jesus' name. Lord, the door shall not be shut at the face of those in this room in the name of Jesus. Father, deal with each one of us this day in the name of Jesus. That we will have a clear relationship with you, O God. Father, we thank you, O Lord God, for as many as of you have used today. God, including your child, in whom you have put this message, I pray, O Lord God, that he will dwell at the foot of the cross in Jesus' name. That he will live, O Lord, with the cross at the center of his life in Jesus' name. And as for him and his family, they would serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Thank you, blessed God. As we depart, dismiss us in peace. And may the joy of the cross be in our life forever and ever. Thank you, blessed God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We shall be using these, only this. We shall be using this, so please in an orderly fashion we would, we would exit through this door. Even that one? Sorry? Alright, that small door outside this uh, main gate, main door, we could be using it. Alright, in an orderly fashion we would go out. Let's share the grace. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen. For surely His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength.